What up, family? Welcome to episode 97 of The Genius Life. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Genius Life. I'm your host, Max Lugavere. Uh, man, what a week it's been. I can't even remember what anybody was talking about before they were talking about coronavirus. But, uh, you know, the fact that this this pandemic has invaded public consciousness, I think that, that it's obviously a good thing. It's a major, majorly serious issue. And we got to do what we can to stay safe, to stay sane, to guard those in our society that are at their most vulnerable, and to really keep our ears to the ground to get the best quality information as it comes out from our trusted public health authorities. Um, you guys know that I don't have a very strong authority bias, um, but you know I think we're at a point where there are infinitely more questions than there are answers, and so we got to do what we can to make sure that we're following um, the recommendations from organizations like the CDC. Social distancing, I think, is the most important thing that we can do um, because it's going to help to flatten the transmission curve. That's what this is all about. You know, if you're young, healthy, virile, there's a good chance that, you know, the contracting coronavirus wouldn't be all that consequential to you. But because it is so easily transmittable, um, it poses uh, an immense risk for certain members of society, people with comorbidities and things like that. So make sure that you are you know, spending more time in your home. Please avoid large crowds. Keep, your, keep yourself clean. Wash your hands. Don't touch your face. Um, and do all the things that we know that we have to do every day to stay healthy in mind and body. Make sure that you're continuing to exercise. Don't let this be an excuse to let your uh, fitness routine fall to the wayside. Just stay out of gyms, but do what you can to work out at home. Make sure that you are getting your sleep. Don't stress out. Maybe adopt a meditation technique. Uh, shameless plug in my new book, The Genius Life, I offer a very simple and effective research vetted uh, meditation technique that you can take. Um, and it's a lot cheaper to do that than to take a fancy you know, or expensive meditation course. Eat healthy. I mean, stay hydrated. This is just, these are all so crucial. And I know that it can be easier said than done. There are going to be access issues down the road, but, um, you know, I think that's, uh, that's really the best that we can do in this situation. And also to be a, at the very least, digital uh, shoulder to lean on for people who might not be handling the social isolation aspect of things all that well. So, you know, I've been spending a lot of time with family. Um, I've been reaching out to people via social media, via text that I think might um, not be taking the isolation thing as well as me. Uh, you know, I'm, I'm pretty cool with it, but, um, and I've got family around me, but uh, you never know. You never know. So my heart, of course, goes out to anybody who's affected by this issue. Hopefully it passes um, sooner than later. And yeah, thank you, as always, for listening to The Genius Life. Um, and this was also the week that my new book, The Genius Life, came out. So if I had the choice, I would have probably picked a different week. But uh, I'm very grateful to anybody listening who has supported me by picking up a copy of the book. It's going to make great reading um, during the extra at-home time that you get you know, during this, during this period. And of course, my book is all about helping you become more robust and resilient uh, in mind and body. So while it won't prevent a coronavirus infection, it will help you become more resilient should you ever contract any type of infection. That's it. 
stay safe. Now, switching gears, I'm super excited for this episode of the show in which I welcome my good friend, Michelle Promoleko to The Genius Life. She uh, is the former editor-in-chief of Women's Health. She is the former editor-in-chief of Yahoo Health, which is actually when I met her, we collaborated on a few pieces together. She hired me actually as a health journalist to work for Yahoo Health. And most recently, she was the editor-in-chief of Cosmopolitan. Her new book is called Sugar Free 3, and it is all about how to help you kick that sugar addiction. We're going to talk all about um, sugar, where it hides, why it can be so tricky to remove from your diet, the potential dangers of over-consuming sugar. And what I think Michelle brings to the conversation, um, aside from the fact that she's a wonderful journalist, is a real humanistic uh, angle. This is going to be a very fun conversation to listen to because Michelle, she loves her indulgences, as do I. So it's going to be a great chat and uh, maybe add you know, of course, there's going to be really, you know, important takeaways and actionable information. But uh, I think what's so fun about this conversation is that it also adds a little bit of levity to the environment right now, which I know can feel a bit doom and gloom. So yeah, I'm pumped. Now, before we dive in, I want to give a shout out to the sponsor of this episode of the show, and that is Navitas Organics. Navitas makes a line of super high quality cacao nibs, cacao powders, dried berries like uh, goji berries and golden berries, which I happen to love, and maca. If you've been in a health food store any time over the past couple of years, you are no doubt familiar with their brand. Um, everything that they produce is organic. They are fair trade certified. And um, yeah, they're my one of my go-to brands for cacao, which I really love. Cacao is uh, extremely versatile. It's a, one of my favorite brain foods, rich in flavanols, antioxidants, and magnesium. I also love their cacao nibs. Um, easily will snack on them, uh, create my own sort of trail mix with them with some of their other berries, like their golden berries or their goji berries. Uh, throw them into some Greek yogurt or a smoothie, uh, which adds like a nice little sort of granular crunch. And if I add to like a whey protein smoothie. It makes it sort of like taste chocolate chip flavor, which is great. And Navitas has graciously come on to sponsor the Genius Life. If you want to check out anything that they sell, they've offered a very generous and exclusive discount to all you guys, all you listeners of the Genius Life podcast. All you got to do is go to navitasorganics.com slash genius. That's N-A-V-I-T-A-S organics.com slash genius or use promo code genius. And you'll get to save 30% off of your entire order on navitasorganics.com. It's active for everyone, not just first time orders, and there's no expiration date. Highly recommend you go and check out everything that they have to sell over there. They make some really, really high quality and great stuff. Again, navitasorganics.com slash genius, promo code genius, 30% off, baby. You'd use those savings to buy my new book. That's right. All right, we're just seconds away from my chat with Michelle Promaleko. We're going to be talking all things sugar, how to kick that sugar habit for once and for all. I'm excited. Guys, please spread the word about what we're doing here on the Genius Life. Help the audience grow. You guys are so great. I mean, I really like can't thank you enough for the support that you've showed thus far. But we got to keep the audience growing, you guys. I've got some big plans in store for the Genius Life in 2020. We're going to start doing video. I've created, uh, um, in the process of creating a new podcast studio for the show to have uh, a headquarters once and for all. And I really need your support to help make that happen. So by picking up my new book, The Genius Life, or by spreading the word about the show on social media, that really goes a long way um, towards helping us grow, you guys. And... Uh, and yeah, I read all of your comments, I see all of your messages, and I try my best to reshare your Instagram stories when you tag me sharing 
the love that you have with the genius life to your audience. I just, I really appreciate it. And though I can't share, um, everybody, I do my best. So yeah, I see you. I hear you. I appreciate you. And now without further ado, I'm excited to chat with Michelle Promaleko. Let's rock. Michelle Promaleko. You got it. You know what? I feel like you've been doing probably a lot of interviews for this book. Am I the only host that can that can properly pronounce your last name? Um, people have done a really good job, but they've practiced a lot beforehand. So you were the, you're the only one who can do it automatically. What's the origin of your last name? It's Ukrainian. I didn't know that. Yeah. You're U- uh, Ukrainian? I am. Only a quarter, though. French, wow. Irish, Swiss, and Ukrainian. That's amazing. I'm a mutt. I didn't know that. <laughs> yeah, I like learning new things about my friends because we go way back. Yeah, what's so funny is, so Dave Zinzenko is also Ukrainian, so KO apparently is a Ukrainian thing. Didn't huh. know that. Wow. But when I was at Women's Health and he was at Men's Health, they were like, what's with the... Ukrainian takeover of yeah. the Roadhill brands. I had I'm no... like, it's a coincidence. I don't know. That's amazing. I know. Isn't that funny? So you were asking... Never been to the Ukraine. Never been? Yeah, I've never been. Um, I'd love to go. I'd love to go Some, to Russia. I'd love to go to Kiev or one of those places. But yeah, so just a quarter. I'm more culturally attached to my maternal background, my mom's side, which is French and Swiss. Got it. Yeah. Uh, are you a fan of Russian sauna, like the hot banya? Love all that. Yeah, same. Yeah. Big fan. All those Eastern European, I went to this crazy hot spring sort of bath place in um, Budapest many years ago, and hmm. that was cool. Before we got rolling, we were talking about, uh, there's this trend on Instagram, People, you know, there's this, uh, there's a, you see a lot of butts on Instagram these days. Tons of butts. Tons of butts. Nothing against butts. We like butts. Yeah, but well, I mean, I do have to make a confession. What's the confession? I won Best Buns of 1988. You did? Which was my, the year I graduated from high school. Damn. And, <laughs> and what's so crazy about it is, one, oh my God, my parents are like, you couldn't get most likely to succeed or <laughs> smartest or most angelic. Like, you got Best Buns. Are you freaking kidding me? Um, that's number one. Number two, that would never, ever happen now. They would never have, they were called like the senior superlatives. They would yes. never have something like that now. It's so on PC it, and so like, un- it's just so crazy. It was such a different time. That's a li- but it's, that's worth something. I mean, it's nice to, it's good. It's, <laughs> it's having strong glutes. Okay. Yes. That's very important. supportive to the back and entire core. But, um, but yeah, but the funniest thing is, for one year, my freshman year of college, I went to East Carolina University. Then I, I transferred to Rutgers, and that's where I graduated from. But one of my best friends who graduated the year ahead of me also went to ECU. That's kind of why I went, sort of followed her. She won Best Buns in her class. And then the male counterpart in my class who won Best Buns also went to ECU at the same time. So everyone's like, there must be some incredible asses walking around the ECU campus. Seriously. I don't know about the academics, but the asses are great. Well, what were you doing at the time? Were you an athlete? Were you? Were I played you... soccer my whole life, yeah. Okay. So I played soccer then. Were you eating healthy back then? Because I know that not you... At, not super healthy. I had a high school boyfriend who was 
way ahead of his time in terms of caring about nutrition and supplements. I mean, this is in the 80s. We're in high school. And in high school, you mostly worked out for your, for your athletic performance. It wasn't about say working out. I mean, there was aerobics classes and all that stuff, but like strength training for women wasn't a big thing at all. So he really got me, he was really into, um, strength training and supplements. So he got me interested in it, but I didn't apply it so much back then. Hmm. Interesting. And now there's a thing, you know, women are like getting into weightlifting, which is definitely something that we, we love, we appreciate. Yeah. But it, there's been a shift because you were saying that it was better back, you know, maybe a few years ago to have a smaller. Well, my whole life was about trying to, you know, get a compact, tight ass, right? <laughs> Not a tight ass isn't being cheap, but like tight toned, high, tight tush, whatever the cover lines I used to, you know, put on women's health were. And then, and JLo did sort of usher in many years ago, kind of, you know, a more um, pronounced derriere, shall we say. But it seemed, yeah, it's gotten, it's gotten a lot bigger it's gotten a lot <laughs> in bigger. every way, as a trend in every way. Yeah. The teeny tiny waist and like, maybe it's just the juxtaposition of the waist to the glutes that maybe it's an optical illusion. Maybe the waist has gotten smaller. Well, look, <laughs> having strong legs, that's, that, that's definitely something that we support here. Yes. You know, I don't know the, there are probably other reasons that women are going to the gym and, f and focusing on the butts and on their butts. Well, and, it's a Kardashian effect. And it's also just like an Instagram phenomena. I don't know why it performs well on social or why people respond to it. I don't know if there's like an anthropological route to it. There could be back when I was at Cosmo, we would do stories like that. Like we're sort of hardwired to be attracted to certain things like full lips and big eyes and, and other things. Maybe the, maybe the butt is something. Yeah. It all makes sense to me. I mean, you yeah. know, having a big derriere to use your term might, <laughs> uh, imply better, you know, a greater, uh, greater success in, ch in child rearing. Probably. Childbearing. It all, it always goes back to fertility. Or more, a more sturdy woman. Yeah. To bear my like, fruit. Yeah. yeah, totally. So it always, I mean, we found when we were researching things, you know, which we were doing all the time at Cosmo, things like that, it, it always goes back to the, what signals fertility. Yeah. I yeah. love evolutionary psychology. It's like yeah. one of my favorite topics. I know. It's cool. Um, well, congrats on your new book, Sugar Free 3. Thank you. Is this the third book? I mean, I know the answer yes, to this question. but It is the third book. This is your third book. It's my third book. If you don't count my first book, which was done um, as like the editors of Cosmo, although I'm the one who did it, and that was Cosmo's Guide to Red Hot Sex, but it doesn't have my byline on it. It does if you like a couple of pages in, but on the cover, it just says from the editors of Cosmo. Hmm. So this is my third book that has my name on it. You had a book, it was called Look Better Naked, right? Yes, I did. Who doesn't want to look better naked? <laughs> exactly. I mean, I don't know that I'll ever be able to top that title. That's a really, that was a really <laughs> good title. And I use that on covers too, of, of Women's Health. So for those in the audience who have not uh, yet heard of you, um, let's just give them a little bit of a backstory and talk about your your amazing trajectory um, as an you know the editor in chief of Women's Health, Cosmopolitan. I mean, what was that journey like for you? Yeah, I spent most of my 
career in magazines, traditional magazines, starting out, you know, way back when at a teen magazine called YM, now defunct. Many magazines that, that I've worked at are now defunct, right? Um, so YM and Teen People, and then spent many years at Cosmo as the number two, which is the executive editor. And that was a great job. Worked for a tremendous editor, Kate White, for many years. And I always call it editor-in-chief boot camp. Got to work on so many brand extensions. It's when we were launching digital. We did a book line. We launched a serious satellite channel. So there was a lot going on. I did a 13th edition called Cosmo Style and Beauty. So got so much great training and worked on every cover with her. And then I went to Women's Health as editor-in-chief in 2009, just as the sky was falling <laughs> financially. So that was an interesting time to take a leap to the biggest job I'd had to date. And it worked out because of all the topics in the world, health was a really pertinent topic for that time because people felt so out of control of other things in their life that I feel women's health benefited from, I think we did a good job and we worked really hard at that, but I think we benefited from people feeling like that was an area of life that they could exert some control over and that they also needed to do that because they couldn't afford to be sick or unhealthy or whatever. So um, it was a, it was such a great job and a great magazine, but we bucked the decline that so many brands were experiencing during the financial crisis and continued to grow. So stayed there for six years and then went to Yahoo Health, which is when I met you. Yeah, that was an amazing time. Yeah, we connected initially over my documentary, Breadhead. Yep. And you related to the story of Breadhead. Which Absolutely. Is, you know, for listeners who don't know, it's a documentary that I've been working on for what feels like forever, but really I launched the project in 2014 and it's not finished yet, uh, but it's a documentary. It's the first ever and only documentary, real, a real film about the science of dementia prevention. And it uses the story of my mom um, as sort of the catalyst to get into the to get into the science. And we met, somebody had connected us. Yeah, I think two different people connected us. So it sort of was like, you know, an editor there and then somebody from the outside um, and so we, you know, got together. Oh, it was, I think, Grant and then an editor at Yahoo. So it was two, two different people connected us. And we got together and obviously you expressed your interest in health and wellness and you're a great writer and breadhead. And we connected on breadhead because my mom has, um, you know, dementia and cognitive issues. And I, you know, was super fascinated with what you were uncovering. And, you know, we both want to thwart that in our own existence and help other people um, do the same. So, yeah, then you started writing pieces for me at Yahoo Health. Super fun. Hosting. And they were very strong, very little editing required. I so remember you said that, that yeah. Yeah, that, that's where you get, like, repeat assignments where there's not a lot of editing that has to take place. I love, yeah, what is it? You said I turned in, I turned in clean, clean copy. copy. Yeah, clean clean copy. <laughs> clean eating, clean copy. <laughs> and that was before I had any idea that I would ultimately it was, it be was, writing a book. It was in the nascent stages of you kind of being a content creator in that realm because you had been on air at Current TV and done stuff like that and you were doing Breadhead, but you hadn't been doing a ton of writing, I don't think, up until that point. Right. Yeah, and so Yahoo Health, and then you came back around. You were then... Yeah, so Yahoo Health um, 
was great and also got accolades for growing and doing good work. But ultimately, Yahoo ended up selling to Verizon and it was a complicated time for the company. I really, I'm so glad I went because it was so interesting to be, after being in traditional magazines, which were print and digital, being fully immersed in digital and the kind of daily digital publishing and the cadence of that. Um, plus, also spending time in Silicon Valley was so fascinating. I'd been so in the center of Manhattan media, and then to go to Silicon Valley where, you know, Manhattan media didn't exist and it was just about tech yeah. was, I mean, I, didn't, I wasn't based there, but I would go to meetings there. It was cool. So when Yahoo Health went away because the company was positioning themselves to sell, which they eventually did, I had a break for the first time in 23 years. And then I became the editor-in-chief of Cosmo. Went back to Cosmo. So cool. So do you, I mean, Cosmo, I feel like whenever I see a cover, it's like 12 ways to blow <laughs> a man's mind in bed. You must, you must know all the ways. I, I mean, you know, I do have some mad skills, I will say. That magazine is so funny. Oh, the best. I mean, the cover lines, when I worked there the first time, um, I feel like the, the covers then were just so iconic and Kate and I would work on the covers for like two weeks and work on the cover lines. And she used to say, this is when I was the number two and she was the editor in chief. She used to say, we weren't done until we were howling with laughter. Yeah. And there were still, there are still like cover lines that I think of now from back then that, you know, just make me laugh. There are just so many, but yeah, that's, that's the thing about Cosmo, at least the former version of it. I haven't actually looked at it recently, like sort of since leaving. Um, but it didn't take itself too seriously, right? It had good content, great content, really smart content, which it doesn't always get credit for, but we can talk about that. <laughs> um, but also, you know, and, and really important content because talking about taboo to topics that not every publication was willing to talk about, but also the humor, the levity, but laugh out loud stuff. The only, we had a section called only in Cosmo because wow. you'd only see it in Cosmo. There's no way anybody would have the bravery to do some of the things that we did. I know. I love the, the frank discussions on Very sexuality frank. and yeah, so cool. I would always pick up a Cosmo whenever I had the opportunity. Oh, and we had a huge male readership. We had like a, like I think 15% of our readers were male, which was big for obviously a female driven magazine. So why do you think it's such a, it's such a successful, I mean, because you've seen the industry yeah. shift to such remarkable, why is it that Cosmo continues to be, you know, what is it about those topics? Well, I think, I think that one, it's, it's an iconic brand recognized worldwide, right? It had, I forget it. It's height, maybe 60 international editions. I'm sure it has half that, if that now, um, and also, to your point, it was talking about sex topics in a really frank way, you know, unabashedly, and so few publications are willing to do that, mostly because of advertisers, because obviously there's consumer demand for that information. And then with the advent of digital, obviously, print's always going to shrink a little bit because you can then access it online. Yeah. Um, and so now, so you've left Cosmo in the dust and you've got this new book, Sugar Free Three. Yeah. Um, and so let's talk about it. So why do you write this book? Why now? Well, of all of the health habits that I've adopted, that good health habits that I've adopted, sugar has been the one thing I've wrestled with the most. 
and I know I'm not alone, right? So even before writing the book, I knew sugar dependence was at a crisis level. Um, and in writing the book, people would ask me, you know, what are you up to? What are you working on? Just casually. And I'd tell them. And every single person said, I need that. I need that book. Oh, my God. I eat too much sugar. I know I do, but I can't help myself. And so, no, I'm sure you hear similar refrains, too. And I think you have it pretty under control. But there have been times where you've been like, oh, I could like take down this whole chocolate bar for oh, sure. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. I'm very honest about yeah, my, totally. my trigger foods and things like that. I have to, if I, it's easy for me to abstain from a food altogether. But if I, if I have a, that, if I break the seal, so to speak, and I trigger myself with that first bite, then all bets are off. Yeah. If it's, even if it's a, you know, even if it's a, you know, quote unquote sugar-free food, like a keto brownie. If I'm at the dinner table and they bring a keto brownie to the table or a regular brownie and I allow myself to have that first bite, then you can pretty much, I can pretty much guarantee that I'm going to be going back for not just seconds or thirds, but I'll probably be, I'll probably end up eating more than anybody else at the table. And, and that's interesting because you are such a disciplined eater and you also know, you know, the impact of, of eating sugar and all, all the things, but it is that pleasure producing, right? Yeah. So it's the pleasure principle. Yeah. These foods push your brain to a bliss point beyond which self-control is just, you know, utterly futile. Right. Which is, you know, we want to throw our hands in the air and be like, it's not our fault. Yeah. So, you know, to some degree, it's not our fault. And there's genetic components, you know, just historically the way we, you know, yeah. came up in, in the world and emotional components. And then the fact that we're being duped into eating more and then there's the pleasure principle. So yeah. there's a lot of factors, but you know, we obviously can exert control over it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's, I think it's sugar. It's also, you know, throwing fat into the mix, added fat. And as I mentioned with the keto brownie, you can be, you can be technically sugar free, but as long as that sweet, you know, sensation on the tongue is being lit up, then, I mean, it's, it's virtually the same thing, but I think the problem with sugar is that it's, it's pervasive. It's everywhere. Added mm -hmm. sugar is everywhere. It's insidious, right? You don't know how much you're consuming generally yep. because it can be so hidden. It's empty calories. So it is a caloric, you know, it, it does add calories to, you know, to your, to your diet. And we know that consuming too many calories is one of the ways that you get fat. And so, um, and so, yeah, I think kicking sugar is a great... It's all those things, and those are all the things that are explored in the book. Exactly that. And for me, I think the, the most epiphanal thing is all the hidden sources. And I think for listeners and you know, readers out there, that is one of the things that's most important to hone in on. Because if you unknowingly consume sugar, right, like you're not even thinking about curbing it, you don't realize the cycle of dependency that you're in and that you'll crave it more. It's one thing to consciously indulge in something. Even if you lose control, you know, okay, I lost control last night and I ate, you know, whatever, that whole sleeve of cookies. But you know you did it. And so you can be a little bit more mindful, you know, the next time you go to grab a cookie, whatever it is. It's when you're eating it all day, every day without realizing it. That's the bigger problem, I think. Where are some of the least expected places that you found sugar in your investigation? In savory foods. Hmm. In foods that you don't even think of as sweet. So a marinara sauce or ketchup or salad dressing, bread, of course. And those are not foods that the average person is thinking about 
containing added sugar. So it is insidious in that way. Yeah, they're not so covert. They're not putting bread under the you know they're not they're not filing bread away under their sugar quota for the day. Exactly. Yeah, that's a major problem. So what's the plan like then? Is it is it basically like you're you're giving up sugar? Do you offer tips for the readers? Tons of tips, of course. So the whole plan is three weeks. It's to eliminate added sugars, artificial sweeteners, and refined carbs. And there's three different routes, um, and you can mix and match those. There's likes to cook, willing to cook, and doesn't cook. Because if somebody lives in New York City, I actually like to cook, but living in New York City, you can order out for every meal or take out or dine out. And many people I know do that exclusively. And when I'm in New York versus outside of the city, I do that more often. And so I wanted to make it possible for people to follow this plan, even if that's their lifestyle. So you can mix and match those routes, but you can do it no matter what. But it, yeah, it tells you, it identifies the hidden sources. It helps you read ingredient labels and nutrition fact labels. Um, it gives you the 60 aliases for sugar, right? That's wow, another yeah. problem is all the different names that it falls under. So, um, you, you know, it's hard to commit 60 of those to memory. But if you have the book or download the app on OpenFit, which we'll talk about more, then you can have them at the ready. But you can become familiar with the, mo- the most common 10 or 20, right? Um, yeah, tons of tips for crushing cravings and recipe ideas and all the things that'll help you get your sugar habit under control. It's so crazy how many names there are for sugar. It is. And I think it's so funny how there's this been this push to make some sugars more acceptable and other like sugars. Like honey and maple syrup and stuff like that. Yeah, and like coconut sugar oh, yeah. as opposed to like refined cane sugar. I mean, you might, okay, let's be real. You might see a smidgen of benefit. Right, from a honey or from a, a honey or a maple, maple syrup, syrup, which you probably can't even measure, to be totally exactly. honest. But, but like people feel it. See, they're looking for permission. Yeah. So I have so many people, even when they say, oh, I want to do it. But, you know, I put maple syrup in my coffee instead of sugar. I'm like, that it's sugar. It's a source of sugar. Like, it's yeah. like they see it as more virtuous and don't think that it has the same impact on their blood sugar. And so they feel anointed with the power to use it. And they, that makes them happy because they want to add that sweetener. And are you basically, do you take the approach? So in terms of like long-term sustainability, um, is all sugar bad? I mean, is there a level of sugar consumption at which you you say this is okay? I was going to ask you your opinion on that question. My opinion is, for me and for most people I know, it is not sustainable to never eat sugar. There are times I'm going to want to eat it. I'm going to want to eat the sweet, the cake, the cookie, whatever it is. You know I'm going to want to drink the wine. Of course. I know you love your wine. <laughs> I know you know I love my wine, which I did learn through this process that dry red wine doesn't have that much sugar in it. It really doesn't. Yeah. It's so like- I, I feel good about that. Although I do ask people to give it up. During these three weeks. Yeah. I mean, alcohol is an empty calorie. In exactly. And of yeah. I mean, there's my, we can talk about the reasons I ask people to give it up. But um, even though if you drink dry red wine, you're not consuming that much sugar. Um, so I think that it is absolute. It's necessary to curb it. Um, is it okay to have a little? Yeah. I don't know what that threshold is exactly. Yeah. I mean, I definitely will indulge in dark chocolate here and there, yeah. which has some sugar in it. You know, if I'm one of my favorite cheat foods, which is not, you know, it's not a, a kind of food that I'm necessarily going to say is is 
healthy per se, but like barbecue, which, you know, mm-hmm. it's like meat cooked in a dry heat setting. You usually got a good char on it. You know, I'm not going to go and say that barbecued meat is super healthy, but sometimes it's covered with the, you know, barbecue sauce. With a sugary just, barbecue. With a sugary That's barbecue another sauce. one of the savory sources. Yeah. Barbecue sauce, sauces in general. Sauces are a big no-no. Yeah. I also happen to love, um, you know, but I think, I think part of what your readers will be able to achieve with this book is just becoming more conscious of where this sugar lies. Definitely. Like I, a few years ago, probably would have never have, would have never have acknowledged that one of my favorite cuisines, Thai food, is loaded with sugar. You know, like that Tom Ka soup, like the coconut milk soup I or their know. curries, they're just, they're just loaded. I know, there's so much sugar in sort of Thai and Vietnamese cooking and yeah, just culturally, um, you know, the way they prepare foods. And I mean, you know, preparing your own food at home is the only way you know what the content is. But, you know, we all want to go out and eat things that we couldn't possibly concoct ourselves. Yeah. So if you're conscious of how much you're consuming, then those times when you go and eat Thai or you have the chocolate, it's not dire. Right. If you aren't over-consuming all day, every day. What are some foods for you that act like trigger foods? Um, well, I talk about this in the book. I love a particular candy brand of gummies called Soccer Bit. Dude, it's in New York, like on Christopher and Bleecker. Huh. And they might have one in LA too, but it's a Swedish gummy company and they're just so good. Hmm. So gummies, I would say is one and like you like dark chocolate. I love dark chocolate. Yeah. So those two things I would say are my, do you like uh, weaknesses. H- ice kitchen. cream? Ice cream. Too. Ice cream. Ice cream. Ice cream's yeah. I love ice cream. What do you think about like Halo Top, some of these lower sugar options? They they don't taste the same, and so I feel like I mean I've eaten it for sure. Um I just feel and you're anointed, they sort of encourage you to eat the whole pint. So then that's yeah. that's never a good thing. Just downing the whole pint. Um but I mean, listen, it's like, if it's a lesser evil, fine. I don't find it as satisfying. So I'd sort of rather eat the real thing. So if you're having a craving, a craving for ice cream, would you rather go for the real thing or like a pint of Halo Top knowing that you could eat more of it? I'd rather go to Van Loen and have like some creative, you know, cone of something like some weird flavor, like Earl Grey ice cream. <laughs> yeah. Know. Yeah. I like uh, because you can't replicate like you can't replicate that it's a it's a treat in the sense that it's creative and yeah it's definitely got sugar in it and dairy and everything but um but it's also yeah delicious so the so the sugar free three it's a three week sort of like cleanse it's like a reset purge like a reset yeah, yeah you know we don't I don't call it a cleanse or a detox it's a reset it's there you know for me it's there after say vacation where I've had, like I went to Italy this summer and I had gelato every day. I just did. I was like, knew going in, I was going to do it. I did it, drank a lot of wine, you know, ate whatever. And then, you know, ate refined carbs. Although I don't know, you know, they're probably less refined there. Um, and then knew I could reset, you know, was developing the program like during the summer. And so I'm like, this is what I need. I need the reset. So yes, going forward, I'll incorporate a lot of the learnings on a you know daily basis. But for those times where I feel like I've gotten a little far afield from, from that foundation, I can always reset. What can, um, what can people expect within the first three weeks of cutting sugar? Oh, wow. It's, it's unbelievable. One of the first things I noticed was how much better I was sleeping. 
almost immediately, within a couple of days, I was sleeping so much better. Um, I had more energy. People, you know, report, they definitely report having more energy when that kicks in varies for people. I felt it within a couple of days and it could have been connected also to the better sleep, right? So it's like they, they coincide. Um, I craved sugar less as the day, obviously as the days went on it, the first few days was tough. And then I started to crave it less. Obviously we can talk about all the major benefits, right? Whether that be weight loss or better digestion, better sleep, better skin, healthier skin, so many things, clearer thinking, all of that. Um, but naturally sweet things started to taste so much sweeter Hmm. and like sugary things, you know, when I was done with the program and, you know, had one, I was like, oh, it's actually too sweet, which I never thought I'd say. What's your stance on fruit? Because whenever, whenever anybody talks about, you know, sugar and the problems with uh, excessive sugar consumption, the question of fruit always yep. comes up. So whole fruit is allowed on sugar-free three. And I felt pretty strongly about that because... We're not a nation that's having health complications because we're eating too much whole fruit, right? (laughs) That's not what's going on. So I wanted to leave it in because fruit, as you know, whole fruit intact with fiber has vitamins and minerals and is good for you and can give you like, say post dinner, if you have some berries or something, it's like, well, there's your sweet hit. And if you can be satisfied with that, I can live with that. Um, It has nutritional value and it has the fiber. Now, there are categories in sugar-free three. There's totally allowed, allowed in moderation, and barely allowed. Whole fruit falls in the in the allowed in moderation category. What are your favorite fruits? Berries, for sure. Berries are great. They're, I mean, they're, they're brain food. Yeah, they're so amazing. They're my favorite. And I would say I, I love apples. Yeah. Yeah, love apples. Favorite? Do you have a favorite apple? I'm pretty... I like them all, but I tend to eat the the pink ladies. I, no, honey crisps, which are probably like su- they're super sweet. Oh, honey crisps are amazing. Yeah. They're they're actually not overtly they 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 balance like the a, sweet with a tartness tar- that I, know, I love. That's it. what I like. And I also love when you could just kind of like sink your teeth into the apple and then like break off a chunk. Yeah, it's crispy. Yeah, you don't have to like bite all the way through. You just yeah, like I love that too. So yeah, I, I berries a, and apples. I did a test recently where I went to Whole Foods and I bought. Uh, Fuji apples mm-hmm. and Honeycrisp apples, solely with the intent of like, f- is de- was defin- to definitively uh, assess my preference, right? You know, because I knew that I loved Honeycrisps, yeah. But I feel like there was a time in my life when Fuji apples yep. were the apple that I would go for, yeah. And I realized it was it was night and day. It was like I was I was I'm a Honeycrisp honey, man, honey, yeah, Honeycrisp sure. one out. I yeah. agree totally. But then but then somebody messaged me on or DM'd me on Instagram saying that Pink Lady are worth checking out too. And I feel like I've tried them before. I, yeah, I feel like, because I started to say Pink Lady and I'm like, no, that's a, I feel like a newer one I've seen. It's definitely Honeycrisp that I love. Um, and I love, like, I love eating them whole, obviously, but I'll slice them up and put cinnamon on them or nut butter. So yeah, good. Such a good snack. I was at the Rachel Ray show once and they, they served me sliced apples with chia seeds on them and cinnamon on them. Yeah. It was like the like best Apples snack. and cinnamon is so delicious. I mean, it's like the, like that, those are two ingredients in pie, right? So it's like, it makes sense True. <laughs> that they pair well. So is your, pl- is the plan like a keto? Like, do you talk about, is it, or it's not keto? It's really just about resetting it your sort of. literally just getting rid of added sugars, artificial sweeteners, and refined carbs. And I really wanted it to be simple. There's so many foods you can eat 
You can eat dairy. You can, you know, obviously have healthy fats. You can have meat. You can, you can be, it's not dogmatic in any way other than to eliminate those things. So regardless of your food preferences or specific diet preferences, you can fit into this. There is no human need for added sugar. Right. As you said, it's empty calories. And when you're eating those empty calories, you're not satiated. So you're just going to keep reaching for more food. And it doesn't satisfy, you know, your hunger, your, you know, need for energy. All of those things are fleeting. Yeah. Crucially important. Have you, I don't know how much time you spend, um, like perusing, fitness posts on Instagram, like the, the sort of fitness world, there has been a little bit of a pushback against the, you know, the demonization of sugar. Really? No, I haven't noticed that. You haven't noticed that. And what is their grounds for pushing back? Well, because of the... Energy or well, something? Well, their grounds are that because if you are in a calorie deficit, if you're in a calorie deficit, you can eat sugar and still lose weight. So, I mean, that, that's a, that, that fact has seemingly given people in the fitness community this like permission to to include sugary junk foods in their in their diet but i think it's kind of a disservice to the public at large to promote that idea because most people are not fitness competitors. Absolutely. I was just going to say the same thing. Yeah, most that people That does not apply to the masses right. at all. Right. And it's it's inflammatory. It's not healthy and one of the things that i've been thinking more and more about is how we're conditioned to associate sugar with happiness, mm. right? Happy, t- it has a happiness halo. And we, you know, it's what we're served at celebrations. And when we're kids and we're good, we get treated to an ice cream cone or something. And we're so conditioned to associate sweet things with doing good work and reward or treating ourselves. And that's really hard to unwind from as a culture. And I think we need to start doing that, right? Because like I see it in my nephews and my niece, I see it in friends, kids, they're doing it too. It just continues. And we haven't, we haven't stopped that. We haven't traded the sweet things for some other reward. Now that we have the information, now that we have you know, all that we need to know about how detrimental it is long term. And for my friends who have, you know, kids and my sister, what I'm trying to say to them is I get it. I get that they're going to be exposed to it at school and at friends' houses. But while they're in your house, you have an opportunity to start instilling some of this knowledge and introducing them to different foods and, you know, sources of natural sugar and all this stuff. Because once they leave, that's it. And they're, you know, they're in their dependency and off they go. Yeah. I grew up, I mean, I definitely had access to like sugary snack foods. Oh my God. My upbringing was like insanely sugar filled. <laughs> really? I mean, I, Lucky Charms and Cocoa Pebbles and Fruity Pebbles and Yoohoo and ice cream and refined crackers. And I mean, it's a, like cans of fruit with syrup on them. It's a miracle I'm here today. <laughs> it's amazing. But, you know, we didn't know. Like, we didn't know nearly as much as we know now. We didn't know. My mom didn't know all that stuff was so terrible. It's what lined everyone's shelves. And, yeah, and certainly, like, when, when products are marketed towards children, they're placed at eye level in the supermarket. They're, you know, their their packaging is primarily uh, primary colors, you know, yep. which attracts the eye of a young, you know, of a young child. I know it's pretty sinister, right? Yeah. It's like it's sort of sinister when you start to dig into all of this because 
the hidden sources, as you've talked about, you know, and you talk about in Sugar Free 3, um, you know, sort of the, the food engineering to create hyper palatable foods, packaged foods mostly, that keeps you going back for more, which is a great revenue source for companies, right? So marketing, that's really confusing. I talk about that too in the book where don't even look at the front of the package. All of that, you know, the health halos, it's not just the happiness halo, it's the health halo um, of thinking any of these buzzwords mean anything, enriched or organic or what have you. It doesn't mean anything. It's yeah. all marketing. All marketing. And the healthiest items in the supermarket are going to have no health claims made on their labels. You know, you're not going to see a, a health claim made on, on the skin of an apple or, a, or an avocado. Yeah, um, exactly. It's, it's like, it's like if, you, if they need to seduce you into getting it, then there's something there. It's so... I mean, I don't like to use, I wouldn't use the term sinister, but I do think it's definitely, um, it's a, it's a big problem. I was on Instagram and I called this person out. Uh, there was a registered dietitian who had a post and it was, um, obviously sponsored by Kellogg's. It was mm -hmm. sponsored by, um, the, the product that, that the ad was promoting was frosted mini wheats. Now I loved frosted mini wheats growing up. One of my favorite cereals. Yeah. But here you have a healthcare professional, a registered dietitian who's promoting the cereal as a healthy breakfast option for fiber and what have you. Um, and I just think it's like it's it's crazy how easily these people can be bought. You know, I mean, the, I don't think anybody in their right mind would consider that food a health. Food. I mean, it's coated in sugar. I mean, it's the coated, second ingredient it's, is it's, sugar. It's coated in visible sugar. Yeah. So even if you you're going for a not virtuous cereal, like at least pick one that's not visibly coated in sugar. Yeah. <laughs> I used to like mini wheats too, but I would I would eat them more, like not in a bowl with milk for breakfast, I would like eat them out of the box like a treat, like a wow. candy. Like yeah. I treated it like a candy. I used to love those. I used to love, um, God, they were like these granola clusters. Cool. Oh, oh. What were they? It came in like a blue, I forget the name. But see how like, see how nostalgic we get about it? Like yeah. it is deeply rooted stuff. That's why I love, when I discovered the company Magic Spoon that makes this cereal, Yeah, I thought they were, they were doing amazing stuff. I have yet to try Magic Spoon. I've heard you talk about it. One of my other friends has talked about it. Magic Spoon, if you're listening, I yeah. want to try it. If you guys go to magicspoon.com, you can use promo code Genius and nice. save on shipping, free shipping. Okay, I can do that too. Yeah, it's a good, it's a good company. And in you know, full disclosure, it's actually a company I invested in. Yeah. Because I found that it was putting a truly unique product out into the marketplace that could be helpful to parents who are struggling. Like, what do I feed my kids? You and know, that's a step. Yeah. And that's an important step. I think, you know, at least finding healthier sources of that sort of same pleasure producing feeling is important. But yeah, I've just been thinking a lot about how do we kind of disentangle from the idea that every reward has to come down to, you know, eating something super sugary. And there's, you know, lots of other things that can be rewards. And also dealing with, I don't know if you deal with this, people maybe have you know, sort of stop doing this with you, but sugar pushers, right? People in your life who, even when you're trying to make healthier choices, you know, they, and I don't think they like are trying to sabotage you because they don't like you. They just don't want to be in it by themselves. You know, they kind of want to keep it going. 
Totally. I think that's a big thing. People want, you know, like the idea that misery loves company. People yeah. that are trapped into that vicious cycle of sugar addiction want to feel like they're not alone. Right. Right? Yes. So you got to be, so what are some ways of diffusing that, that peer pressure? Do yeah. I mean, I talk about it in the book. Um, well, first of all, like if, if you're really dealing with a bad sugar pusher and they're not somebody you live with like a spouse, you know, it's like during these critical first, you know, couple of days, you might try to maybe limit your exposure to that person. But if you can't, or if you don't want to, I think it just helps to try to enlist them ahead of time to be like, Hey, I'm doing this. And I could really use your support and get them to buy into what you're doing rather than like in the moment you're at dinner, the dessert menu comes and you're like, nah, not for me. I'm on this program. It's like kind of giving them the heads up or even if it's not sugar-free three and it's just a lifestyle change that you're making to enlist them to, you know, be your kind of accountability partner and help you along the way. And then also try to get them without being pushy and judgy. And that's the other thing. Don't be judgy. Yeah. So if you're doing it and somebody else isn't, and they're kind of trying to push you, you can't start hating on their choice. Cause that just, it's a, it's a downward spiral from right. there. Cause then they feel judged. And then that's like, they're going to push back. So you can't judge their choice. You can, you know, at some point enlist them to kind of join you on the, the lifestyle change. Yeah. I also feel like if that's, if, if directly con confronting your friends feels too confrontational, you can use social media in a positive way. Mm -hmm. You can put, put out on your social media feed that you're beginning a, you know, yes, the sugar free three idea. challenge, for example, hashtag sugar free three. That exactly. Hashtag sugar free three. That's a great idea because you know, presumably your friends follow you. Presumably, <laughs> presumably to talk, uh, what are your, what are your feelings on artificial sweeteners? Artificial sweeteners? No good. But the two sweeteners that I do allow on sugar free three are stevia and monk fruit. Hmm. And one of the reasons is that I need stevia in my coffee and I <laughs> needed to justify it. No, <laughs> Now they're plant derived sweeteners and they're again in the moderate category, you know, use in moderation. So I'm not saying bake brownies with stevia and monk fruit. Um, you can, but that's not what I'm advocating. I'm just advocating, you know, using a little in your coffee or tea or whatever. Um, you probably drink your coffee black, but I'm not, you know, black with nothing in it, but yeah, no, no sweetener. Yeah. So I still use stevia and I, you know, it doesn't mess with your microbiome the way that artificial sweeteners do. And there is, I don't know that there's any research on whether it makes you crave more sweetness the way that artificial sweeteners do, but it's not, it's processed because obviously to go from a plant to, you know, powder or liquid form, it has to be processed, but it's not a chemical concoction. Yeah. But I think the whole point of avoiding these sweeteners is that you really want to step off of that dopaminergic sort of, yeah. you know, moving Ideally. walkway towards that's inevitably constantly pulling us back towards sweeter foods again and again. It is true. So if you can do without in your coffee, go for it. Yeah. I mean, I definitely, if you look, if you were to look in my cabinets, I have monk fruit drops, I have stevia drops, I have some erythritol, mm -hmm. which is like a sugar alcohol. And I'll occasionally use those for, um, you know, sweetening up a smoothie because mm -hmm. uh, I don't use a lot of actual fruit in my smoothies. Um, you know, maybe some berries and things like that. But yeah. I'm not like one of these people that's like throwing bananas and apples and all kinds of crazy, you know. Exactly. Yeah, my smoothies are like pretty low calorie Green. in terms of, you know, as far as smoothies go. Um, or if I'm baking or anything like that. But yeah, generally I would totally agree with that. 
Yeah, I, exactly. So it's like just there to use in those small ways that you just mentioned and not to see it as a free for all to be like, let's start baking cakes with them. Yeah. Couldn't agree more. So what is this app? You have an app that's an yeah. So so yeah, so I did Sugar Free Three in partnership with a company called OpenFit. So if you download the OpenFit app, you can do Sugar Free Three as a full video platform. So, you know, seeing all the foods that you can and can't eat, being walked through how to read a nutrition label and understand ingredients, tips on how to crush cravings, also bonus tips on weight loss because there isn't any portion control or calorie counting on Sugar Free 3 because I wanted people to focus on just eliminating the added sugars, artificial sweeteners, and refined carbs. So in the book and on the OpenFit platform, there's video of how to lose weight. So if that's your number one goal, and by the way, it's a happy side effect for most people who do sugar-free three regardless, but if it's your number one goal, if that's why you're in this, then there's some sort of tips about some things you might want to tweak. I love that. Are you on the sugar-free plan right now or not right this minute nope I'm not on it right this minute I of course did it and developed it and have done it several times and I incorporate a lot of what I now know and learn and I'm so much more cognizant when I'm picking up a package like to look at it and not just assume it's okay Um, but no I mean I don't comply with every rule all the time after the sugar-free three after the first three weeks there is then a plan in yep. terms of like long term. Yep, there's three maintenance plans. Wow. So one thing that we didn't talk about is within the program, there's something called a mindful indulgence. Mm. So I have banished the word cheat. So I'm like, I no longer use the word cheat because cheat sounds like a bad thing, and I want it to be more of a mindful indulgence. So once a week, you're allowed something from the not allowed list. So what for me, it was a glass of wine. I know you're <laughs> shocked, Max. Um, but for somebody, it might be a slice of pizza, whatever it is, once a week. If you feel like that's going to trigger you to eat more of that stuff, then by all means, do not do it. But for some people, it's enough to kind of get them over the hump, get to the next week, get to, get to the third week. Um, so in the maintenance plans... They're basically keep it going, like just keep going. If this lifestyle agrees with you, which I know it's going to for most people, it's, you know, you're going to feel better than you've ever felt. Keep it going. Do another round or just do it forever, whatever. And then the second one is adding in like a few more mindful indulgences. And then the third one is like not going back totally to where you were before, but you know, and using some of the ingredient education, but being a little bit more liberal. So yeah, I want it to be sustainable. I think once you have the education, the awareness, the ingredient education, you can't unknow it. So then you use it. You use that information in your life automatically. It becomes just a second nature thing. Awareness is such an important part of the equation. Huge. It's so important. There was an amazing study that was published recently this year in the journal Obesity and Physiology, I want to say. Uh, that found that just being distracted when you're while you're eating, whether mm-hmm. it's with a smartphone in your hand or even printed reading material, Cosmo, you know, an issue of Cosmo, <laughs> or having uh, having your TV on in the background, yep. causes people to overconsume by about fifteen percent. They consume fifteen percent more calories. And and you know, you know, we all know from experience 
That's true. It's the most believable stat ever because you're just like hand to mouth really from the bag, you know, to, to your face and you're distracted. It's mindless eating, right? So like being more mindful in all, in every way, more mindful of the ingredients on the food that you're picking up and potentially purchasing, more mindful of like what you're eating, like whether you're sitting at a dinner table eating or, you know, sitting in front of the television, which you shouldn't do, but realistically, a lot of people do it. Just being more mindful is the key to so many things. I do it. When I'm eating in front of the TV, that's when I fall off the the wagon. Yeah. I mean, all of the knowledge and whatever that I, you know, tell myself that I've amassed all goes out the window, out the window when I'm binge watching something on Netflix. Yeah, and you I've go got on a bag autopilot. Of, uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I got a bag of, of paleo puffs in yeah. front of my face. <laughs> and there it goes. And there it goes. Yeah. But it's amazing. I mean, people are, people are always like, I want to lose the weight. I want to lose the weight, but I can't track. I don't want to count calories. And I'm with you. I don't want to count. I, I never count calories. Right. But just being more mindful with your food is such a powerful potential intervention for you to achieve a healthier body composition to look better naked to use your to use yes, your term. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, having... and cutting out of sugars. It's like that that was my whole thing. I mean, yeah, there's a this is a gateway to a healthier lifestyle. But start with this because it is such a huge problem nationally and I'm sure it's like growing internationally as well. Um just starting with this is so critical to health and well-being that I just feel like from that point you're motivated to do other things because you start feeling better and you're like, Oh, I want more of this. Yeah. What, uh, so what's next for you? Are you now touring, you know, promoting the book? Yeah. Just promoting the book out there, talking about it in different venues like this one. I was looking forward to this. Same, same. Do you find it difficult to eat, uh, healthy or, 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 you know, avoid added sugar when you're on the road and you're eating like, you know, well, I, I used to, and it's funny cause I just did like a little social video in the airport the other day where it's getting a lot better. Hmm. It, you know, it used to be almost impossible to find something. I mean, I know you fast on flights, but yeah. I'm not at that. I'm not at that point. <laughs> I'm not sure I'm ever going to be at that point. Let's be honest. It's hard. Not but, every flight. But it's much easier to find things now if you know what you're looking for. Yeah. We're also pretty lucky. Like, you know, we're at the airports that we're at most are like LAX, yeah. JFK. Yeah, JFK. Know, it's pretty easy. Yeah, you can. And I mean, obviously, the best thing you can do is prepare some snacks and bring them with you. So that's number one. If you can't do that, you can find things. Yeah. Some good sugar-free snacks, you know, that you'll find pretty much at any airport nuts, you know, yeah, nuts. There's even, um, there's a cottage cheese that I've been eating cause I still eat dairy. So there's a cottage cheese that I like called good culture. That's a good one. Yeah. That's there's a really no good added one. sugar there. If you don't get the fruit one and it's pasture, the milk comes from yep. pastured cows. Exactly. Yeah. I like that one. And I found that in JFK the other day. Um, what else? Obviously, it's like a packet of nut butter or, you know, an apple. You know, even if you bring that on the plane, then you can like just, you know, get a knife when they're serving meals and, you know, cut it up or whatever. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, there's tons you can do. Hard boiled eggs. I mean, your seatmate probably won't like you, but you can usually find those. Please don't eat <laughs> Not next to hard boiled eggs next to me <laughs> on a flight. I... It's Or maybe you just... Find it at the airport and eat it before you get on the plane. Yeah. You can it, do that too. Eat it in secrecy. Kind of. it's, <laughs> it's weird. I, I love eggs, but I have a kind of a weird phobia. I've tried to get over it a little bit in my adult life, but like hard boiled eggs kind of freak me out. I was having this conversation with That's my assistant. so funny. Yeah. With my assistant earlier, actually, I was talking about how um, 
both eggs and cruciferous vegetables, depending mm. on how they're cooked, smell really bad, like yeah. a sewer. Yeah. You know, like I, I love to roast broccoli and cauliflower, yeah. and they, they never smell. But if you steam them for yeah. whatever reason, they'll they'll you'll become like the bane of your office environment, <laughs> like they'll, your coworkers. And the same thing with eggs. Yeah, we don't like, want to repel people. No. That's not the point. For what I don't know the the bio the, the chemistry or whatever yeah. like I don't know how this works but you know for whatever reason poached eggs scrambled eggs sulfury kind of thing yeah, I don't know when you boil them they become smelly but also if you have a hard boiled egg that's been over boiled and then like cold all flavor is gone yeah and all taste is gone and the consistency is gross so it's like yeah hard boiled eggs are def- definitely something I only eat at home but you, you can yeah. find when i make them myself but yeah. you can find them in an airport pretty easily yeah that's true that's fair in a pinch in a pinch um cool this was really fun thanks Max. thanks for coming over to my to my west hollywood place uh just one last question before we take off but before that how can listeners connect with you on social media and where can they find your book at Mishprom on social, so M-I-C-H-P-R-O-M. And yeah, find the book wherever books are sold, most easily Amazon, obviously, Barnes & Noble, and download the OpenFit app. Cool. And by the way, when you get the OpenFit app and you do Sugar Free 3, you also have access to hundreds of fitness you know, classes and programs and, and different things as well as wellness and nutrition. So it's not just sugar free three that you get access to. And shameless plug, I'm interviewed. Yes, Matt. I know. How did we leave that out? So Max is interviewed in sugar free three and we also did a video together. It's sort of cool that like I'm quoted in your book. It makes me feel like how, when these musicians, like these hip hop artists <laughs> appear on, uh, on their, on their friends tracks. Yes. This is sort of like that. Yeah. But a way nerdier, less way nerdier, cool version. <laughs> it's of that. all come full circle. Yeah. Where I'm like, you know, I'm like, I've got like a cameo in your book and now I'm on your podcast. Yeah. It's so cool. Crossovers. It's, it's all like interconnected. Yep. I love it. Um, all right. So the and last someday we'll get breadhead done. Someday we'll get breadhead done. Well, we're, we're working on that. We're looking for funding for that. Um, and so hopefully that gets finished this year. Um, yeah. So the last question that gets asked everybody on the show, take it wherever you'd like. What does it mean to you to live a genius life? Living a genius life to me is being on a constant quest for more information Right. Like whatever that is, whether it's information, nutrition information or information that's going to, you know, make you happier or somewhere you might want to travel that you've never been to. Just constantly maintaining curiosity and, and sort of knowledge acquisition. I think that's what living a genius life is. I really like that. Yeah, I would agree with that. Cool. Well, thanks so much for stopping by, Michelle. All you guys, check out the book, Sugar Free 3, Crush Cravings and Supercharge Your Health. And uh, let me know what you thought about this episode. You guys can now text me. I've created a phone number so that you can get in direct contact with me. Send me your feedback about this episode or any other. All you got to do if you live in the U.S. or Canada is text 310-299-9401. Can't wait to hear from you, and I'll catch you on the next episode. Peace. Peace.